Welcome to Gather In, where you'll hear stories of conversion to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you have an interesting story to tell, please go to our Instagram page or send us an email to gatherin at proton.me. Welcome to Gather In tonight or today, whenever you happen to be listening, we are joined by Stuart Grimes, Stuart Grimes from Leeds in the UK. Is that near enough? Le- no, oh, that's way, way south. That's about 150 miles south. I'm in the uh, the England Leeds mission, but I'm yeah. in I'm north I'm north of Newcastle upon Tyne. If anyone knows where that is, it's in the northeast corner of England, about 150 miles north of Leeds. Oh, okay. So, how far from Scotland are you? About one hour's drive. Okay, so yeah, you're pretty... so you're almost Scottish. Almost. Well, my my, my name's a Scottish derivation, Stuart, of course, the spelling. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yes, indeed. You're just on the wrong side of Hadrian's Wall, huh? That's right. Well, we're actually we're actually north of Hadrian's Wall, but uh, oh, yeah, that's still yeah, that that's uh, a lot of it is still intact. You know, the uh, Julius Caesar and Hadrian the Emperor himself. Uh, Came and did their stuff, but there's a lot of it still there. A lot of uh, visitor sites. And, uh, oh, okay. I, look, I, I've not been that far north in the UK, and I was—I've always assumed that Hadrian's Wall was basically the border between Scotland and England, but it's not, obviously. No, it was in the days of the Romans, but it's not now. No, so the, the border is about sixty miles further north. Ah, uh, the Scottish we're, we're, lost we're, a little... Yeah, so we're about yeah. fifty miles from the border, but uh, the, yeah. Scot- the Scottish lost a bit of territory there, huh? They did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well, you could have been wearing a kilt, but you're not. Indeed, that, that, that would have been uh, something to see. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> now, just just for the uh, for the sake of our listeners, Stuart and I are old friends from way back. Stuart and his wife and family came to visit us in Australia. I, and I was talking with my wife earlier today about this. I think it might have been about 15 years ago or so. Would, would that be right to your recollection, Stuart? It was uh, 2009. Yeah, so nearly 14 years ago. Okay. Um, well, wife, I wasn't, yeah. yeah. Not far off. My, my wife's grandma and her aunt lived in Geelong, and we decided to visit, and obviously that's where we caught up with you and Margot and the family. So, yeah. Yeah. Time has gone because, by very quick. Because. Because I had met Marie Claire, Stuart's wife, many years ago when she was a, a young adult. And when I was first married, she came to stay with us. Um, I'm guessing she was probably, I, I would have been about 30 then. And she was probably barely 18 or 19, I think, when she came to, stru- yeah. to stay in Australia for a little while. And so we got to know Marie Claire then. And then she came back years later with a husband and kids in tow. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had a, great, had a great time going down the beach uh, just down south of Geelong, which was fantastic. And uh, we sort of roughly, you know, how you keep you keep in touch on face, Facebook, don't you? You know, you sort of think you're keeping in touch with people, and you sort of are, and it's better than not being in touch at all. You know, hitting a like button on someone's photo yeah. every now and then is a, a sign that you're acknowledging people. So we've sort of been in touch over that time, but we haven't actually talked to each other since then, I don't think, have no, we? No, that's correct. We just make fun of each other on Facebook and uh, <laughs> make sarcastic comments. 
That's a good, that's a, that's a good right. friend. <laughs> that's right. And look, I, I, I saw your comment on one of my videos the other day, and I, I had this thing come into my mind. I thought, ah, Stuart, he is a convert to the church. And, you know, we, we swapped a few messages then and, and realised that we, we joined the church both. I joined the church back in 81 and you were in 82. Yeah. Uh, you went on a mission two years after joining the church. Yeah. And uh, I went on a mission 18 months after joining the church. So we had a, a, about a one-month overlap when we were both on missions. You in the Alabama mission? Alabama, Alabama, Birmingham. Alabama, Birmingham mission. That's right, yes. Okay. okay. And I, I was in Christchurch, New Zealand. So um, you joined the church two years later you're out preaching the gospel you've got the white shirt the tie the name the name tag on right yeah <laughs> I, 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 I was engaged with missionaries right from the word go i joined the church in december of 82 and straight away i just i was obviously familiar with the missionaries and they said um well would you like to help us in any way and i said well you know so anyway bit by bit i got involved with missionaries and uh, I was taught by sister missionaries, but when we got elders, which wasn't that long later, uh, I was able to go out with them on teaching appointments as well as knocking on doors. So before I went on my mission, I was quite comfortable with tracting, with teaching, with, uh, you know, learning the principles and the, the scriptures and so forth. So, yeah, I was up okay. for it from the beginning. Fantastic. We've had very similar paths, I think. Um, but let's just go back in time a little bit. I'd, I'd like to find out, um, you know, go back to your childhood a little bit. I'd, I'd like to find out what sort of religious upbringing you had, if any at all, which eventually brought you to the point of accepting the gospel for some reason when uh, two lovely young sister missionaries knocked on your door. Yeah. The strange thing was my dad was Catholic, um, and I don't know what it's like in Australia, Murray, but, I mean, over here, a great defense for the missionaries if they knock on your door is they'll say oh i'm church of england or i'm catholic or something like that you know to fob you off well my dad was was raised as a catholic however as i as i got older and he got older he confessed well catholicism's not true <laughs> and i said well look i'm i'm thinking of uh, learning about uh, the mormons you know the church of jesus christ and he said oh go ahead son he says it can't be any worse than the catholics so, so that was his background my mother was never religious at any stage she was nominally church of england however uh, she did enroll myself and my older brother robert who was three years ahead of me we were enrolled in the church of england sunday school when i was probably about 10 um and that was our only real introduction to any formal sort of religion. Um, my brother never toughed it out. I did for quite a while, actually. I kept going to the, it's like Sunday school for young children. Um, and I always felt good about religion. I loved watching TV shows where they were doing broadcasts from like cathedrals with stained windows and stuff like that. And uh, the regalia of, you know, the, the robes and everything. And I just liked that idea. And it looked, it, it seemed pretty, uh, appealing to me i don't know why really but anyway as a child I did, that was just something that i thought was uh interesting so um as i grew a bit older i had no involvement with anybody from any religious direction until the missionaries knocked on my door 
and that was when I was it was a Saturday lunchtime and like most English men of that sort of era and same it's same now to be honest Murray we watch football <laughs> on a Saturday lunchtime there is it's still going today actually there is a, uh, a preview program of the weekend's fixtures of uh, football, soccer, you know. And um, yeah. I was watching that, and the missionary knocked on the door, and, of course, I'm watching my one of my favourite programmes of the week, the preview of what's happening in the in the, the football world. Anyway, they said, we're sharing a message about the purpose of life. Have you ever wondered about it? And I said, well, I have, because my mother died when I was 13. And my thoughts were, is that it? Will I ever? see her again is there going to be any sort of relationship between me and her so that had definitely been at the back of my mind so that was well i'm sure the lord was obviously prompting me enough a to let me in b to turn the television off and stop watching the football <laughs> and uh it obviously got my attention if i did that much so uh, yeah so they started talking to about religion and, and that was my only real introduction to any form of religion uh, and I was 28 at the time that that happened. Oh, oh, you were 28 years old then? I was indeed, yes. Oh, okay. So, and you were still able to go on a mission as a, what, you must have been 30 years old when I you was, put in your papers. I was. I was. Well, because I'd, I'd gotten involved with the missionaries and, you know, I was really keen and up for it and teaching and tracting and everything, I spoke with my bishop and I said, look, can I serve a mission? And of course, I was naive. I didn't realize there was any age limit or restrictions. And he said, yeah, let's go for it. So he filled my papers in, sent it all off. And of course, it wasn't until later after I'd sent the papers in and got the call back, said, how come you're, you've been accepted to serve a mission at age 30? And I said, I don't know anything about it. I just put the papers in and the bishop did the rest. So anyhow, yeah, at age 30, I went on a mission. I was uh, obviously the oldest single missionary in the field. But it never really bothered me, and it never seemingly bothered most of my companions that I was, uh, uh, I mean, what did bother them was I was English. <laughs> of course, all of my companions were American, other than one. I had an Irish companion. And he and I are good buddies till this day. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the age difference, I was roughly 10 years older than most of the missionaries I served with. But there was never really any conflict to the fact that I was older. I was a curiosity because I was English and everybody used to pick my brains about England, you know, and I'd, have you met the Queen and all this sort of stuff, you know, that, <laughs> any famous English people they could remember, any pop stars or TV personalities. Um, but, yeah, it was it, the age problem never, never has caused me a, an issue in that respect. Okay, well, that, that is interesting. I was 20, uh, I would have been 25, and so I was called, like, Grandpa on my mission. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering, did, any, did anyone grab your name tag and put it an L-Y after Elder? <laughs> no, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Uh, well, that's, no, that's, no. That, that's good that they didn't. So I, I remember landing in the, in the mission office myself and, uh, you know, first day I just got off the plane, go to the mission office and I sit down with the two assistants and they start, you know, giving me information that I need to know and then I was sent on a plane to some other part of the mission uh, later that afternoon, I think. Um, and, I, look, I, I did feel noticeably older than, than most of my companions, 
Uh, apart from, I think, one companion, uh, Alistair Mayer from Scotland. Uh, he was probably one, my one companion who was close in age to me. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's amazing that you were actually allowed to go as a 30-year-old. I mean, it's fantastic that you were, and uh, I'm sure it was uh, as much a life-changing experience for you as it was just becoming a member of the church. Um, so can we just go back a little bit to, to when those sister missionaries knocked on your door? Uh, you actually turned off the TV. You turned off your favourite footy show yeah. to listen to these two probably relatively young, probably American girls with a message about the purpose of life. And you mentioned that your mum had died yeah. earlier. You were, well, what, uh, 17 years prior to that, yeah. your, your mother had died. So you, you'd basically been raised by a single father. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes, so the idea of the purpose of life definitely did ring in my mind, because I had wondered, you know, when my mother died, I didn't have anyone to turn to at all. I mean, although my dad was nominally Catholic, he didn't know anything about life after death. And I didn't have any friends who went to church. Um, so I really had no one to turn to to ask the questions. I remember when we were in primary school, when I was about 10, we all got given a free a New Testament from the Gideon Society, who used to go around in the UK. I don't know if they did this in Australia, but used to go around and donate uh, little copies of the New Testament. Anyway, I had one of those. So I, I actually turned to that, and I read that for quite a long time after my mother died, sort of looking for answers. But I had no idea where to look, really. So it was just a random sort of, you know, it had a few suggestions in the front of the, the book of, you know, if you're feeling this way or that way. So I read all those suggestions. But that was the only real sort of religious idea. And, and that waned again eventually in time as I obviously had to get on with my life in school and so on. But, uh, yeah, I didn't really have anybody to turn to until those missionaries knocked on the door. And a key factor, to be honest, was, I mean, this is all the part of the Lord's plan, I'm sure, Marie. There was a, they had, in those days, you'll remember, um, before they even had videos, they had film strips. <laughs> with a cassette player and you press the button you know and it went beep at the end of when you turn the the thing yeah very and they, showed me the film, they showed me the film strip of man's search for happiness which was a, obviously it was a, eventually a movie and i watched that a bit later but uh, that's still one of my very favorite church videos man's search for happiness and there's two versions of it 1964 and then 1976 they remade it it's a brilliant it's a brilliant uh little you know, 13 or 14 minute video of uh, the purpose of life. So that really got me hooked. Yeah. I, I always remember quoting Wordsworth in that one, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So yeah. we, yeah, I, I'm very familiar with all the film strips. I remember turning the little thing as the beat came mm -hmm. over on the, on the, yeah. on the audio while I was, uh, while I was on my mission. I, the missionaries never actually used that when they taught me. However, it was always just the flip chart. The flip chart and the yeah. completely memorised discussions, the rainbow discussions, yeah. as they were in those days. That's right. Okay. So that's interesting that they taught you the plan of salvation on the first discussion because I think by that time it was still – it still would have been the restoration would have been the first discussion. And I, I would have thought they would have given you a Book of Mormon on that first discussion and talked about Joseph Smith. Well, I did, I did get a Book of Mormon, but, I mean, it, it was, you know – Looking back, 
I asked the missionaries after they'd been visiting a couple of times, um, did you knock on all of the doors in the flats, the, the apartment building where I was living? There were six, six apartments. And they said, no, no, yours was the only one. I said, what? I said, you only knocked on my door. Yeah. Why is that? Well, we just felt the Lord was drawing us to your number 10 where I lived. So they knocked on the door and let them in, you know, turn the footy off. Let's listen to this purpose of life thing. Get the presentation. And at the end, I don't know if you can remember at the end of man's search for happiness. It actually does show a brief glimpse of the Salt Lake Temple. And, and it mentions that a prophet restored the truth to the earth. And I asked, I picked up on that. It was right at the very end of the video. And I said, so what was that building, the temple? And who's this prophet? What's that all about? So naturally they introduced and said, well, Joseph Smith, Book of Mormon. Have you ever heard of it? Here's a copy. Look, we'll come back next time and tell you about Joseph Smith and what that building is, etc. So literally, that's how it was planned out. You know, it started with the uh, man's search and the, the purpose of life and then went back to Joseph Smith and moved forward from there. Okay. Okay, so how frequently did they teach you and how long did it take before you actually took the plunge, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, they were coming about, at first it was once a week, it was on the Saturday, because I was pretty active in life and, you know, I've I, I always been involved in sport, um, playing it as when I was in school. But later on, uh, because I had an accountancy, you know, job, I was very in demand as being a treasurer of a sports organization. So at the time I was being taught, I was treasurer of a basketball team, the Gateshead basketball team who played in the National League. I traveled around the country with the guys. Of course, I'm only five feet tall and these guys are like six feet seven and stuff like this. <laughs> I'm traveling on, the, on the, the team bus and so forth and they're all you know, patting me on, on the head being so short. <laughs> so uh, I was doing that. And that, that was a, just a, a voluntary thing, but I mean, it took up quite a bit of my time. But I was also the secretary of a 10-pin bowling league, which uh, did all of the finances as well as the, kept the scores and the league tables and all that lot. Um, so I was, I was pretty involved. And to be honest, I could only meet with the missionaries every Saturday. But after that, they wanted to ramp that up. You know, anyway, five weeks later, I joined the church. But of course, when they first said, would you like to come to church? I said, church i'm not a church person at all i've never ever been to a church on a regular basis other than a, a wedding or a funeral or a, a christening anyway they said come to church so i did go to church and again you know how the lord planned these things i went into the church in gateshead and the missionaries were nowhere in sight <laughs> oh great they're the only two people i've ever heard of and they're the people who've been there teaching me but I happened to walk in and there was a guy called Colin who was there and he said, hello, how are you? Uh, I'm Colin. I said, hi, I'm Stuart. I said, I'm brand new. The missionaries are teaching me. He says, oh, come with me. <laughs> and he took me under his wing and he's still a good friend to this day. He's a few years older than I am. And and that was, again, just, uh, uh, you know, it was just all planned. The Lord knew what, the, what was going to happen. So he took me into priesthood and uh, went on that there and, then the missionaries were like, oh, well, you came to church. You really enjoyed it. You get on to priesthood and Colin made a good friend, blah, blah, blah. Ready. Are you ready for baptism? now?" And I thought, wow, baptism and commitment to becoming a member and obviously all the commandments. And I was like, well, why not? And I, I started reflecting, being very philosophical, thinking, well, hang on. Let's let's go back a few weeks here. 
they knocked on the door. I'm watching football. Um, they were asking about the purpose of life. They said mine was the only door they knocked upon. And yet, and yet here I am, you know, a few, a few weeks later, contemplating joining a church, committing myself to living standards and, and commandments, etc. So really, it was a whirlwind. But I, I started thinking, well, there's got to be a proper plan here. This is not random that they just knocked on my door, that they decided to teach the purpose of life rather than, like you would say, maybe we, we tell about this blue book, you know, the, the Book of Mormon or, uh, or a living prophet or something of that nature. They actually, the actual message they were delivering was the right one for me at that time. And, uh, you know, so I was reflecting, wow, this cannot be coincidence, you know. So maybe there is a God and maybe he does know me and maybe he was looking after me and they're lining all of these things up. So uh, I did come into the church. So the week before Christmas, I was baptized. Okay, so um, you became a member of the church five weeks after these young ladies knocked on your door. Yeah. Um, and you were called on a mission two years later. Uh, yeah. Let me think. So what did you do over those two years? What happened over those two years after, after you were baptised and confirmed? Yeah. What happened then? Well, um, I was invited after about a second week in church, would I like to give a talk in sacrament, you know, my conversion story. And I said, no way. I said, I'm not going to do that. What? I said, there's, a, there's about 70 or 80 people here. I'm not going to stand up in front of them. And I said, well, look, he persisted, the member of the bishopric, and he said, look, just watch what the other people do who are giving the talks, you know, and you get the right, you know, the, the language, you're closing the name of Jesus Christ and stuff like that. So anyway, I did. And so a couple of weeks later, I did I did my talk, you know. But then I was coming to church every week and um, chatting to the guy who was my uh, friendship, who baptized me. He was a guy about my age, actually. He'd served a mission. And um, I said, um, so what happens next? And he said, well, what would you like to happen next? And I said, well... I would like um, to do something. How, how, how do I get to do something in the church? He said, oh, you'd like a calling. Of course, I wasn't even, didn't know what the word meant. I said, well, whatever it's called, I'd like to do something. And he said, well, why don't you go have a word with the bishop? So I did. <laughs> I just got him aside. I said, um, look, I've been in here a few weeks. I said, is there anything I can do to help in the, you know, the cause here? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell you what, leave that with me. Anyway, the next week. He called me a second counsellor and young men, and uh, which was great. So ideal. You know, there's about four or five young lads and um, joined them. President was a, a father of one of the boys. And, and just, you know, that was a great, perfect calling for me, as it is, I guess, for a lot of men who joined the church. And um, so I engaged myself in that. And then after a little while, the president, president left the branch he moved out of the uh, sorry the ward that we were in we moved out of the ward and i was called as the young men president uh, and that's the calling i had before i went on my mission i was the young men's president and this was uh, as, as you can think about this one i'm like i'm, I'm five feet tall right 151 centimeters uh, for those who don't understand feet and inches and uh, the young men of, of, uh, of at the time ages 12, 13, 14 were about this high or maybe a little bit taller than me. <laughs> Two years later, of course, I came back from my mission and they're going, Stu, you've shrank. All of them were like five feet four or something and I hadn't grown and they go, oh, you shrank. <laughs> but, uh, I had actually forgotten how tall you made me feel. 
<laughs> so how, how um, tall are you? Oh, about five seven. So I'm I'm right. vertically challenged. Yeah, yeah. I'm vertically challenged as well, but uh, you know, st- still significantly taller than you. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd forgotten that to be honest. To be, to, um, it's interesting. My wife, Marie Claire, is five feet four, and when and and she's also fifteen years younger than me. Which is another interesting. I mean, how does that work out? Because we got together through church. You know, I was serving on the high council. I'd gone to give a talk at the the ward where she was a student at university, and um, again, you know, you talk about how the Lord looks after you. So I'm I'm at that stage. I'm 34, returned missionary, serving on the high council, give a talk, and immediately after the sacrament, a lady walks up to me who I did know. And said, uh, Stuart, Stuart, really good talk. I need you to meet someone. And I said, all right. So anyway, this is Marie Claire. And of course, Marie Claire at that stage is a 19-year-old student at the university. And I said, oh, hi, hi. Um, you know, where are you from and what you're studying? And oh, nice to meet you. Thanks. Take care. And that was it. We spoke for literally two minutes. Yeah. Anyhow, that night, the Sunday evening, that lady who had uh, made the introduction, she was called Pat, she phoned me up and said, Stuart, what did you think of Marie Claire? I said, what do you want me to think of Marie Claire? She's a 19-year-old girl at, at university. She's very nice. I mean, I know nothing about her. I knew she was from York, that area of, of the country. And I said, honestly, uh, what do you want me to think? Oh, she's really top quality. I said, whoa, hang on a minute. I said, you, you're, you're, you're talking a bit anyway. Three weeks later, I was re-invited back to give a talk in Sunderland because I was also serving on the High Council, but I was also in those days the stake mission president simultaneously. So that was my responsibility on the High Council. So I was called back three weeks later to give a talk this time about missionary work. So I did that, and then the thing started up again. Pat, this lady, got together, Marie Claire. So we ch- chat for a little bit longer, and then Pat said, look, Marie Claire comes to family home evening with us. Would you like to come tomorrow night, which is the Monday evening? So I did. And anyway, the rest was just history. Pat had it lined up. We were perfect for each other. And I said, hang on. I, she's 19. I'm 34. There's no way I'm looking at someone her age, even though, you know, Marie Claire is super intelligent. I mean, way, way more intelligent than I am. And so I think at that level, there's not a problem of the age. But she's 19, but apparently Marie Claire was really fond of older men. But I said, surely not, <laughs> surely not that much older, maybe four or five years, but not 15. Anyhow, it was obviously part of the Lord's plan, Marie, because oh, how, how would somebody as dumb and plain as me end up with somebody as lovely as Marie Claire? So there you go. Well, you did, you did very well. It was, your, it was your lucky day, huh? It certainly was. Yeah, the Lord was looking out for me. Yeah, you talk about Heavenly, yeah. Father's, Heavenly Father's plan. He certainly had one for me. And he's, uh, you know, all, ever since joining the church, meeting Marie Claire, etc., and all the way through, you know, it's been a fantastic experience. So you'd actually been home then for two years uh, from your mission yeah. when you met her then. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I came back, did the usual thing. Because of my age, you know, I was 32, returned missionary. Lots of the ladies in the church were saying, oh, Stuart, have you met Have you met sister such and such? She's a lovely lady. You know, she's not yet married, but she's very, very nice. And they were trying to line me up with dates with all sorts of ladies. Now, a lot of them happened to be, as, as you can imagine, at that sort of age, they were either divorcees or people who had one child or something like that. 
anyhow, um, I said, yes, I, I do know her. She's a really lovely lady, but I'm not really that interested. And I, I, I'd been going to all of the, the singles activities, you know, the singles conventions and the firesides and stuff like that. And hadn't met anybody. I'd go to the temple as well and, and, and do my bit down there. And I thought, well, you know, I, I've had a couple of years worth of uh, actively well not actively pursuing a wife but actively being engaged in the LDS scene and nobody had stood out to me that that she was the one for me and then you know the, the Lord every you know they talk about the Lord's timing and everything else and all the improbability of, of a 19 year old ever meeting a 34 year old and all this lot it's obviously the Lord and, and he he had to just he, he had it all lined up and and you know as we talk about missionary work and we talk about how people join the church and gain a conversion story and everything it's the lord he's got everything planned and it's an amazing thing um when you look back you know when your circumstance you know you were an older person you went on a mission still um and then just how things have unfolded and it's just it's not it's you know, I know we go at the mission. I'm still actively involved in missionary work now. When when the missionaries are out there teaching, and they'll say things like, you know, we the the, the reason we've uh, met you or we've run across you is is not just by chance. It's all part of the Lord's plan, and I can absolutely testify of that. I mean, how it happened for me, how it happened that I ended up serving a mission, and then eventually meeting Marie Claire, and then the rest of the experiences I've been I've served in all sorts of missionary, I've been the mission leader in every single ward and branch I've, I've served in and been involved in missionary work. And uh, it's still a big, big part of my life. So, you know, uh, that's that's the Lord's doing. He, he wants me to be here. And uh, obviously I've got something to say, I suppose. Yeah, Leah, that's fantastic. There's so many parallels between your life and mine. I, my first calling, uh, no, my, my I think my second calling before I went on my mission was as young men's president. Mm -hmm. I came home, I was, I was called as ward mission leader and stake mission president back in the days of 70s in the stakes. Yeah. Uh, so we've, we've done that at the same time. And I've, I don't think I've ever actually been a ward mission leader in any other ward apart from the Geelong ward. But I, I was a, a ward or a stake missionary in, in the ward up in Melbourne that we lived yeah. in for a while. Yeah. Um, and even though I haven't had many callings, you know, specifically to do with missionary work, I've always, we've always had the missionaries come to our place for dinner a lot. And we've always, always had them, you know, been around them, you know, taking them out to meet people, teach them. Actually, um, something that oh, you might have seen on Facebook uh, only a few years ago, I baptised my father, who was 88 years old. Mm. Um, so that was... Uh, Probably one of my greatest uh, member missionary experiences, I think. Well, that 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 is an amazing coincidence. Well, it's not a coincidence. My dad, um, I baptized him when he was just shy of his 80th birthday, and wow. yeah. you know, my patriarchal blessing. Again, another thing. You know, that's what's a patriarchal blessing, and this is the Lord telling you exactly your potential and what you need to change or whatever. It mentioned in there regarding the conversion of your father, be patient and much good can come of you just living a good life and being an example to him. So it was 21 years from when I joined the church in 82 till 2003 when he was baptized. I baptized him and in 2005 he died. Um, but in, in that intervening two years, he 
when he when he got baptized, I was the branch president, and this was an amazing thing. You know, and you know how the missionaries come and visit with you, and uh, we'd had them over for lunch, and they said uh, it was the elders, and said. Um, is there anything we can do for you, President? I said, look, how about you pop in and see my dad? So they did. They popped in to see my dad. I called later in the afternoon. I said, Dad, did the elders pop in to see you? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're coming back next week. I said, why is that? He said, oh, to teach me the second lesson. I said, to teach you the second lesson? I said, as far as I was concerned, they're popping in, popping in to see you for 10 minutes or something, you know. Well, no, they, they taught me the first discussion. And I said, so what do you do? wanting to have the second because I'm the branch president thinking I don't want you wasting their time you know what I mean I said these guys have got work to do and you know people that really need to talk to and he said well I think I might just uh, want to learn a bit more so you talk about the timing he um anyway he got baptized and, and I thought well hey let's go for it and I interviewed him before he got baptized of course and I said look as the branch president, I just like to interview people to make sure they fully understand that you haven't been, you know, uh, brainwashed by the missionaries or anything like that. And I said, so why do you want to join the, why do you want to join the church, Dad? And he said, um, well, Stuart, he said, you and Marie Claire, you've always been very enthusiastic, you know, and um, you've never kept me out of anything. We always invited my dad to come to uh, church activities and that when the children got baptised. And he went to the open house when the Preston England Temple opened in 98. And so he was always sort of on the periphery. He, he knew a lot of church people. He was involved in some church activities. And uh, when I interviewed him, I said, so why do you want to get baptized? Dad? And he said, well, you and Marie Claire and the example and all this. Stuff. And he says, it must be true. It must be true. He says, I know Catholic church isn't the, isn't the right thing. And he said, um, and I said, well, do you know that, Dad? Do you know that, that, that you feel that it's true? I mean, how do you feel when the missionaries have been telling, when been teaching you? And they said, because I didn't sit in on any of the discussions. I allowed the elders to do their own thing. And um, he said, yeah, no, no, I think it's, de it's definitely right. And he says, I need to go to the temple and me and, you, me and your mom need to, be, need to get sealed. So he had, he had that vision there and then. It's, it must be right. And let's get to the temple. Let's get sealed to your mother. And obviously that did happen in 2004. Um, he, he was sealed and I was sealed to, to them and, and he was sealed to his parents, etc. So, yeah, there you go. Brilliant story and very similar to yours by the sound of it. Wow. Yeah. My, my dad didn't get to the temple. He was 88. Uh, he was living with us at the time. We probably got him, when I say got him, we the timing was probably right for him with his with his mental faculties. He was starting to go downhill mentally, but when he was he came to live with us, and the first the first Sunday that he was living with us, um, he just got dressed in the morning to come to church with us. I don't think we invited him to come to church. He was just he just got dressed ready to come to church with us because that's what we were doing, you know. Yeah. He just came along, and uh, we we. We didn't really strongly encourage him to be taught by the missionaries or anything like that. We just sort of let it all happen, a bit like you with your dad. I, you know, I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be pushy with him at all. Uh, I just wanted to let him do his thing, and he was living with us, and he, he, he just liked the way we lived in the home, as far as you know, scripture reading and prayers and things like that. And you know, we, we had people around sort of fairly often other church members around for dinner and stuff like that. And, yeah, it just, it just happens really quite naturally. Uh, but then, you know, he, he started to go downhill mentally 
over the next year or two. And uh, yeah, so we didn't we didn't get him to the temple, unfortunately. Uh, and I've probably done his temple work since, uh, although I'd have to check the <laughs> I'd have to go into family search to check that or ask my wife. She'll know. <laughs> She's nodding her head. She's nodding her head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the missionary started teaching him in January, and he was eventually baptized in June. Now, the reason for the delay, in February, he used to live in the village very close to where we live now. And my office, my accountancy office, is literally just across the street. Well, it was until I sold the business three years ago. Yeah. This one day, <coughs> my dad walked into my office, and I said, no, hello, Dad. What, what are you doing here? And he said, uh, oh, i just come to, to say I'm, I'm off to visit with my brother, my uh, Uncle Ken, right? I said, okay, which he did quite often. He'd, he'd go about every six weeks. He'd ride the bus and it took it from where we lived into the, the town and he, he knew exactly how to get there. I said, okay, but it was unusual. He'd never been in to see me and say goodbye. So he came in and he said, uh, you keeping all right, son? Yeah, I'm doing fine, Dad. Uh, I said, uh, well, are you going to visit Uncle Ken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, uh, any, anything else? Like as if there's like another meaning for the visit? No, no, that's it. Well, have a good day. I said, okay, Dad, take care. Enjoy your visit. A few hours later, I got a phone call from the police saying my dad had been involved in an accident. He'd been hit by a car and he was in the hospital. So I went to the local hospital, saw my dad. He was alive, but his face was gashed. There was, his ear was hanging off. There was blood everywhere. He'd gone into the windshield of the of the car that hit him. Now, he was blind in one eye. In the, the eye that he was blind in, that's where the car hit him. You know, he couldn't see. He was crossing the street. Um, anyway, so he was in hospital for about six weeks. And, yeah, I mean, he was in a real bad state. Um, he was naturally, he was, he was 79 years old. He was elderly, and he was in the state he was in. And And, again, looking at the plan, and I'm thinking... How come he survived? And why did he come into my office that day? It was as if he was saying goodbye. I know that mm. there's something about to happen here, so I best say goodbye, son. And uh, and that, that so that, that was all just because I, I said to Marie Claire, I said, my dad came. I, I'd phoned him. I, I phoned Marie Claire. And I said, my dad came to see me. He says, well, why did he pop in? I said, I don't know. He just came to say, I'm off to see Uncle Ken. And I said, all right, have a nice day. But looking back, I thought maybe he knew something. There was something monumental, you know, big going to happen. And then, he, you know, the fact that he got hit by a car and he's 79 years old and he ends up looking like he'd you know, been in a, a terrible uh, skirmish with somebody. He was very, very, very lucky to survive. Um, anyhow, so that delayed his progress. But the, the missionaries kept visiting him in hospital, which I was very impressed with. Um, by then, there was another set of missionaries had come on board, and they kept on teaching him. Uh, and it took a bit of a while before we got him back on track and back home and everything. So uh, it took him till June before we eventually got baptized. But yeah, again, um, you know, that was the Lord looking out for him. He was uh, he wanted him to get baptized and wanted him to discover the truth. And so you know, just all of these things fell into place. Yeah, fantastic. Look, just just to start sort of uh, wrapping up a little bit, Stuart. Yep. A couple of couple of questions I usually ask. Um, the first question I'll ask is, and just think about it for a second, is how is your life different now? Where do you think your life would have gone if you just had kept on watching the Saturday Footy and said, 
oh, no thanks, I'm watching the footy. <laughs> so think, think about that for a minute. And I'd like you then to talk a little bit about what your sort of, and I think I know what it is already, what your favourite sort of aspect of the gospel is, and I think you're going to mm-hmm. say missionary. Yeah. Um, and then if you could close by bearing your testimony, just like you would on a fast Sunday at church, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Where would I have been? Uh, I think I was 28. You know, I was pretty independent. I was pretty involved in social life. Uh, I was working as an accountant. I had friends. We used to go into Newcastle upon Tyne, the major city where we used to work uh, on a Friday evening, which is what most of the young people were doing at that age. Um, you know, just hanging out. I wasn't much of a drinker. Didn't really drink alcohol very much at all. But I, I guess I would have just continued down that route. I mean, being involved in sport. Um, I'd, I mean, I did participate in sport, but not competitively. I, I did in school. You know, I played a lot of sports for the school team. But... Um, I kept myself quite fit, but I would have certainly been engaged in sport, either playing and or administrating like I was with the 10-pin bowling and the, and the basketball, because I'd also been involved in cricket and football and all sorts of things. So um, I probably would have kept on going down that route. As regards finding a wife or whatever, I was totally shy with girls. I mean, I, I would have never asked anybody to, to to go on a date. To be honest, that's why this was definitely God's plan for me <laughs> when he had that sister, Pat, to introduce us in the church, uh, Marie Claire and I, because I was absolutely petrified of girls. I mean, I just... Um, I was totally tongue-tied when I ever had to get serious about uh, talking to any young lady. So um, so that that would have probably been me, and goodness knows whether I would ever got married or would have just been a, a bachelor, sport-loving or whatever. Um, so life changed dramatically. My favourite aspect of the gospel is undoubtedly uh, missionary work. Um, I'm currently Elders Quorum President, but I mean, I have been engaged in missionary work I think I've been mission leader nine times in the various wow. wards and branches that we've lived in. So they've always thought, well, you're comfortable with it, with which I am, but um, it causes problems because a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. You know, and obviously you've served a mission and you know quite a lot about, you know, the scriptures and you've memorized a lot of stuff about teaching how the principles work. And um, I apologize to anybody out there who knows me, who I've been engaged with both my my missionary companions in Alabama, as well as anybody in the last uh, 40 years who I've been engaged with in missionary terms. Uh, I talk too much. I love the gospel. I love teaching. I love testifying. And I've, I've often been engaged in helping people and uh, overstepping my mark, I'm sure, with where the missionaries should be doing most of the teaching. And I'm just there to testify and support what they're teaching. Uh, as regards my testimony, yeah, I joined the church not not looking for anything. I wasn't, you know, although I had a, a, the burning question about my mother and where was she and will we see each other again. I wasn't actively pursuing religion or any sort of quest to find the meaning of life answer. But as as everything I've told you about, it, it just happened right. The joining the church was way way out of my thought pattern of any church not just the LDS church and what did happen just transformed my life so dramatically I was engaged like I mentioned in the basketball and the 10 pin bowling um, I, I saw out the season with both of those just to keep face with everybody and said look I, I told everybody I joined the church and so I'm, I'm no longer doing certain things but I'll, I'll tough this out till the end of the season so you get a replacement for me um, but I cut my ties 
with all of that, I ended up uh, just throwing myself fully into the church. Uh, and I think for anyone who's looking to, to or, or thinking about uh, uh, joining the, the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is to come on board and just get engaged, do it. You know, President Kimball was the president when I joined the church and one of his catchphrases was do it. You know, not, stop thinking about it, do it, be proactive. And, and that's been my case. I, I've just, I've always wanted to be engaged in telling people. I've, I've told lots and lots of people about the church. Um, when I had my business for 28 years as an accountant, I had various pictures of Jesus on the wall. And there was a, one behind me, a particular one was uh, the resurrected Christ, you know, coming out of the tomb. And people would often say, oh, you're Christian. You, you picture, that's Jesus, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And I used to leave it at that for them if they wanted to make the next move to say, oh, like which church, which faith are you a part of or, or et cetera. Um, and we had some amazing conversations. Now, an interesting thing, you know how Facebook works, Murray. Um, and I've got, I, I put a lot of postings on my Facebook page that are missionary related, i.e. about the good things about the church or the lessons and the, the principles and the commandments and stuff like that. Well, I actually have quite a few of my former clients, my accountancy clients, who are not LDS, but they're part of my Facebook uh, friends. And quite a few of them keep watching my posts. Because, you know, if you put up the, the your story bit, you can see who's viewed the pictures and or viewed the video that you've put up there. And quite a few of these are people who are not members of the church. And I thought, well, for whatever reason, they're curious enough to click on it and find out what this is about. You know, so I'm putting on all sorts of stuff there. So missionary work is definitely, um, I don't know, it, it's just the biggest and the greatest thing happened because the change that happened to me from where I probably would have headed in, in a sort of, I don't know, single man's life or probably waited for some woman to ask me to marry her. Uh, but uh, we ended up, Marie Claire and I, finding each other. And it was all part of the Lord's plan. And honestly, the Lord Jesus Christ is the most important person um, to get to know. He has everything. He knows us personally, along with his father. And we are just not here by chance we we meet each other the lord brings us together for a reason we learn from one another uh and honestly it, it, it's just the greatest thing the church the scriptures everything that we do well everything that marie clay and i do in the church is, is all in our lives rather is, is is around the church you know read the book of mormon every morning we uh we we serve in our callings we do what we can with our children we have four grandchildren as well they they all come to church with us um and we're just it's it's very much a church life um i was out ministering last night i was out ministering on wednesday night and we just go out there and do things and meet people and i love it i love getting out and meeting the saints and you know last night we had we visited two two separate widows who are both in the early 80s who are lovely lovely people i mean they're just delightful people to visit um, and we, we just, I just love getting out there, visiting, testifying, teaching, helping, do whatever I can. I'm a bit of a pain, though. I know for a fact I talk far too much, and I've, I apologize to all of my, my, my missionary companions and people over the years who have probably stolen their thunder and uh, sort of should have shut up.
But anyway, I testify that uh, the Lord's in charge. He knows exactly you and I, and he knows exactly what's going on and that the Church of Jesus Christ is indeed, as we purport, it is the Church and the truth and on upon the earth today, restored to the living prophet and Joseph Smith and continually led today by Russell M. Nelson, who is our prophet and president. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Stuart. It's been fantastic catching up with you. Let's not wait another 14 years before we talk again. Indeed not. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, on Facebook, I've, I've never been in touch with any of my missionary companions other than the Irish guy. I'll tell, I'll tell a lie. One guy from America, he did come across to visit a few years ago, and I caught up with him. But as it happens, you know, 36 years after my mission, I've never seen most of my missionary companions again, but I'm in touch with a lot of them through Facebook. And, of course, we're very sarcastic about each other, and we, we make dumb comments and stuff like that. But it's really good that we can do this. And, you know, I, I, I had a couple of Aussie friends in the, uh, in the mission. One was from Perth and one from Adelaide, although he's now, uh, sorry, from Brisbane, where you are, and, but he, he then, he's now living in Adelaide, and I'm still in touch with them, and we still give each other a hard time, you know, commenting about England, Australia, and cricket, and rugby, and stuff like that, and, uh, uh, but, but that's great, and Facebook's a good place to catch up with people, even though we may never ever see each other again. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, as you know, I edit these videos, and uh, upload them to Facebook and to YouTube, so uh, you can share it on your page. Yes, good little missionary uh, missionary tool for you to do, so all your all your friends can see uh, and hear your story. Which you know, oftentimes we don't get to tell these stories in the sort of detail that we do over this sort of period of time that we ha have to do this. So, uh, look, it's a great little tool to do that. But uh, thanks again for your time tonight, today. Uh, and we'll look forward to catching up soon. And yep. keep on hitting those like buttons, huh? Like and share. Yes, indeed. Thanks. <laughs> Take care, Murray. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you have an interesting story to tell, please contact us for our Instagram page or send an email to gatherin at proton.me.